Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show here on uh, our usual Thursday afternoons at noon. Today's show, I want to talk about, you know, there's this interesting topic that came up, very, very, very common in the world of psychiatry, something we can't get away from, and it's personality disorders. It's an interesting topic in the sense that they're pretty hard to treat and you don't even know you have them. Well, let's get into that. But first, here at the top of the noon hour, let's start with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, why is this an important topic? Personality disorders. The reality is personality, we all have one. You know, if anybody has ever actually looked at personality disorders, studied them, uh, read about them, seen how we define them in the mental health world, if you read through them, you're going to feel like, oh my gosh, I this might be me. I think I have a personality disorder. <clears throat> well, keep this in mind. Whenever you read about personality disorders or anything along those lines, we all have personality traits. And if you go through and you and you look at them, uh, and we'll look at a few, we'll name them all, and then we'll look at a couple of them in depth. Um, if you go through and you look at them, you're going to realize that these traits everybody can have. You know, does everybody have a personality disorder? No, but what I want to talk about is what's the difference between having these traits, which we all have, and when does it turn into a disorder? Well, let's start with this. Let's name them off. I mean, so if anybody's ever read about personality disorders, heard about personality disorders, you've probably heard and seen that there's different clusters that we put them in. Out of my page here. And we call them cluster A, B, and C. The way we define them is as such. So usually it's, <clears throat> let's start with, with cluster A. Cluster A is going to be what we call schizotypal, schizoid personality disorder, and paranoid personality disorder. These disorders are usually eccentric people, 
usually you're not going to run into people with these disorders too much. And actually, I should say, let me back up a little bit. Why did this topic even come up? One of the topics was this, you know, Dr. Sandoval, you know, I work in a Catholic institution. Actually, I work in a diocese. This is what a person I was talking to uh, brought up to me. They said, I work at the diocese office and I love working, um, knowing that I'm working uh, within the confines of the Catholic church, that I'm protected in many ways because they said my diocese is pretty good. They for the most part, everybody there follows the magisterium of the church, and there's not too much controversy. But, and I thought, you know, coming to a Catholic institution like a diocese and working at whatever level, whether I'm a secretary or, you know, in a committee or whatever function I need to have, I thought it would just be heaven on earth because it's a Catholic church. It's my faith. I, I'm, I'm going to love the people there. We can all talk about the same faith and we can all be inspired in Christ and inspired by the Holy Spirit and boy, that'll be so good. You know, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. I'm going to have a very peaceful life. That was the idea. And I think a lot of people feel that way. It's kind of like going to church. If I'm at church, aren't we all nice to each other? Don't we all say, you know, at, at that moment, we are so enveloped in Christ and Christ in our hearts. So obviously there's not going to be any fight. There's not going to be any um, disagreements. The reality is, is that we're human and we're all human. And if we're in church, if we're working in a Catholic diocese, if we're working in a Catholic bookstore, what do we have to deal with when we work with each other, when we work with other people? You know, we deal with different personalities, right? This is why in life we get along with some people and some people we don't get along with. And um, sometimes we feel like, oh, I can be friends with that person. Or, you know, gosh, I've been trying to hang out with this person, but they're really not, uh, I don't know why I'm not getting along with them. <clears throat> and the truth is you got to ask yourself, it's okay. You can't like everybody. We can't make everybody happy. And not everybody's going to like us. It's just a matter of life. How do we form friendships? The most honest friendships and the most honest relationships we have are when we can recognize that, yeah, that person might be quirky or this is one of their faults or this is, you know, one of the things that uh, is negative about them, but it's okay. It doesn't bother me. And I see all the positive things about them. That's where true friends are. A true friend will tell you, yeah, you can be really annoying, but you're my friend. And I'm telling you this as a friend, I'm not going anywhere, but yeah, I can tell you what your faults are. You know, sometimes you're stuck up and, but you're my friend and we can hang out together for whatever reason we can form connections. Well, there's all different parts of our personalities that come out. The challenge is when a negative trait or negative traits of the personality are very pervasive for that person and it turns into a disorder. The reason I say challenge is if I have a true friend and I realize that they don't have a personality disorder, or if a friend comes to me and hopefully I don't have a personality disorder and tells me, Dr. Sandoval, I don't know, you're just acting kind of like this, or you're, you're being weird, or you're, uh, you know, you're, you're just in a mood today, or you could be moody, at whatever it is, or you're, you're, you take your pick. And if all I am is defensive, or I say, I don't even know what you're talking about, I could, that could be a problem. Because I have to take a step back and say, oh, am I being moody? Oh, maybe I am affecting other people. I have to have that recognition, what we call in the psychiatric world, insight. I have to recognize that, yeah, maybe I can be that way. You know, yeah, maybe I am moody sometimes. Gosh, I better check that. Why? Because there's something I can do about it. It shouldn't define who I am. You know, if I... If any but it can be moody for different reasons. Anybody can uh, be stuck up or feel very full of themselves for different reasons, shall we say. You know, I just somebody just won first place in a marathon. They're allowed to feel a little bit proud of themselves. 
Um, and maybe they're going to act a certain way or they just got promoted to a big position and they're going to act a certain way. So there's all different reasons that we can experience these parts of personality. The question is, is this person always like that? Usually when it's a personality disorder, the trait or the the group of traits is pervasive. It means the person's always like that. And the bigger challenge is this. You can't even call them on it. You can't let them know what's going on because they don't recognize it. They have no insight. It's something called anazognosia in the psychiatric world. That's how we define it. I prefer to say no in insight because it's a lot easier to say. And the challenge with that is what? The challenge is that there's no chance that that person's going to even change. If I don't recognize that I have a fault, how can I change it? If I don't see things about myself, I'm not going to, I'm going to assume they're not there and I'm not going to change it. Why is this hard? Because it can really affect all of our relationships. Usually not for the person because they don't recognize anything's wrong. They say, I don't need to change, but everybody around them recognizes and kind of stay away from them or it can rule their life. Well, let's go through here. And like I said, Cluster A, we say paranoid personality disorder, schizoid, and schizotypal personality disorder. Those are the kind of people who usually don't form very good friendships. They're always paranoid. They worry about, it's what you could say, conspiracy type people, but not conspiracy theory. Nowadays, if you question anything or ask a question about something, people might say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You can say, well, I wonder if the government's doing something weird. And they're going to say, oh, you're just forming a conspiracy. No, it's just a question. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. But for anybody with a personality disorder, it can go pretty extreme. If you ever look at these specials, say on your streaming services or anything where, man, this guy, he hunkered down in a cabin somewhere by himself and decided to start making bombs because he really did believe that the uh, government was doing something and he decided he needed to stop it. And he wrote a manifesto. These are all the things you hear about with that cluster A personality disorder. Again, I'm just going to name them. We're not going to define them because we're going to get into a couple of different ones, but paranoid personality disorder, schizoid and schizotypal. And these personality disorders are going to pervade everything in their life. That's all they think about. That's all they know. The other one, cluster C, uh, is going to be a little bit different. So that one is going to be dependent, avoidant, <clears throat> and uh, let me see here, what's the other one? And obsessive compulsive. So dependent, avoidant, and obsessive compulsive personality disorders. Those are all in cluster C. These are people who we might run into. They might not affect our lives so much, but they're a little bit more along the lines of they're afraid to go out. They keep asking other people for favors. They have pretty low self-esteem, they're afraid of rejection, real big fear of rejection uh, in those personality disorders. And so they end up being very, uh, they can be thought of as introverted, or they can be confused as somebody who's introverted. They might not even be truly introverted, but they don't get along with people they prefer to be by themselves. And that's why it appears that they're introverted. But for the most part, they're not going to get out there and be too social not so much because they have a shy, introverted personality where they're happy, but usually because they're afraid and they're afraid of talking to people. They're afraid of being rejected. They're afraid that they're going to do something wrong and it's going to be called out. Um, and that's a really hard way to live. And that's called cluster C. Well, when we come back, folks, I want to talk about cluster B and I want to talk about two very important personality disorders. That's what we're going to talk about the rest of the show. You might have heard of these borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. The reason I want to focus on those is 
those are the ones that we're going to run into for the most part in workplace environments and professional environments and relationships, and they can be very, very devastating. More on these topics when we come back from the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to The Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about personality disorders. Why is this even important to talk about? Well, I'll tell you why. If we work with people and we work with different personalities, which we all have, it's important to understand why some relationships might be a little bit more challenging to get along with than others. And it's important for us to also give us a little bit of insight, give us a little bit of sense of ourselves and realize, hey, I should check myself every now and then. Am I being difficult with other people? Am I being okay? Am I reacting um, in my workplace or in my relationships or in my interactions with people based on my own insecurities? Or is this, you know, are these valid uh, concerns that I have or valid reasons that I have for doing what I do? We should ask ourselves that every day. And from a mental health perspective, it's almost kind of like a comparison to in the spiritual world when we do an examination of conscience. Is there something that I'm doing that is off-putting? Is there something that I'm doing that is sinful? Is there something that I'm doing that I should change in my life? The examination of conscience is really an insight into our souls, our personality. So let's start with borderline personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder, you're going to see this in relationships all the time. It's more prevalent or more likely to be seen in, um, shall we say, friendships and romantic relationships, but it can be a havoc in the workplace as well. I'm getting this information from the National Institute of Mental Health just because I was going to do the textbooky thing, but that might be a little bit too intense, boring, and dry. I figured this is a little bit more um just reader-friendly, user-friendly, and it's the same information, so it's really nice. But here it is. What is borderline personality disorder? Borderline personality disorder is a mental illness that severely impacts a person's ability to regulate their emotions. Now, let me read that again. It severely impacts a person's ability to regulate their emotions. Imagine if somebody is emotionally unhinged all the time, going from happy to sad to, you know, back and forth. A lot of times you say, man, that person's bipolar or incorrectly in society. People will also say, man, that person's schizophrenic, but that's not the case. It can be that they have a borderline personality disorder. It says this loss of emotional control can increase impulsivity, affect how a person feels about themselves and negatively impact their relationships with others. This is true. Effective treatments are available to manage the symptoms of borderline personality disorder. <clears throat> well, it says that effective treatments are available to manage. I'll be honest with you, for the most part, you know, borderline personality disorder, you can treat with what we call DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy. And we'll talk about what that is in a little bit. But again, since there is a lack of insight, usually the person who is experiencing this doesn't even realize this is happening. It can be pretty hard to treat. If we don't want to, if we don't recognize what our symptoms are, we don't recognize what our uh, illness is, shall we say, how are we going to get it treated? We're, we're going to disown it. In the spiritual world, again, I equate this to now going to confession. If I go to confession and I'm not able to recognize my sins, how am I going to get better? How am I going to clean them? How can I heal from what I don't know is there or I don't recognize is there? I'm not going to pay attention to it. And that can be a problem. Well, let's get into the fun part here. What are the signs and symptoms of borderline personality disorder? Well, it says people with borderline personality disorders may experience intense mood swings and feel uncertainty about how they see themselves. 
their feeling for others can change quickly and swing from the extreme closeness to extreme dislike. And this is true. All of a sudden, somebody with borderline personality disorder can love you one day because they do what's called splitting and they have this idea that everything's all good and all bad. Well, splitting's a little different, but they're very black and white. They're thinking it's either all good or all bad. And so one day you could be all good and the next day, nope, you're bad. It says these changing feelings can lead to unstable relationships and emotional pain. So that's the other thing. Somebody with borderline personality disorder is always in emotional pain. They'll say things like, I just feel very deeply, or I'm I'm a very uh, intuitively or in touch with my emotions. And so my emotions are very strong. This is what they say. And this is true. They have insight into that. They can't deny that their emotions are strong, but they don't recognize that this is part of a disorder type picture. People with borderline personality disorder also tend to view things in extremes, like I said such as all good or bad, their interests and values can change quickly and they may act impulsively or recklessly. Other signs and symptoms include, all right, this is where it gets interesting, efforts to avoid real or perceived abandonment, such as plunging headfirst into relationships or ending them just as quickly. So how does that work? Avoid real or perceived abandonment. This is people when you hear, oh, I fall in love so fast. You know, I just met this person three hours ago. Oh my gosh, they're the love of my life. That's it. I want to get married to them. I want to move in with them. I want to be with them always. And we just met three hours ago. We're soulmates. That's it. This is the most perfect person for me ever. Now, does that ever happen? You hear rare stories of that where somebody might say, you know, we went on our first date, we fell in love and I knew we were going to get married and we've been married for 55 years. That's beautiful. That can happen. It does happen not very commonly. Usually people date a little bit, get to know people. But in this case, with people with borderline personality disorder, they'll fall in love with somebody like that. And then just as quickly, two hours later, now, you know what? They're not for me at all. What was I thinking? Oh my goodness. They're not even, they're not even my type. And then within an hour, oh, I fell in love with this other person. No, that's the person for me. It's just this back and forth. Now, it not, doesn't always happen that fast, but it feels that way because the intensity of the jumping into relationships and jumping out of relationships is so strong. And the emotions are very real. I mean, if you talk to somebody like that and they tell you that they just totally fell in love with this person, their emotions are so real that you will believe them. And you're like, wow, this person really is in love with this guy or girl that that quickly. Um, and that's amazing. But then all of a sudden you're going to see this pattern where they do that. And then all of a sudden they break up just as quickly. And then they do it again quickly and they break up just as quickly. And then you realize mm, something's going on here. There's a lack of stability too, because if you're truly, truly that in love with somebody to where you know that this is the person for the rest of your life, how all of a sudden two hours later are you not, or two days later, or just a week later? And all of a sudden you decide, no, that's not it. Well, let's see here. A pattern of intense and unstable relationships with family, friends, and loved ones is the next one. Well, just like in relationships, in dating relationships, in your everyday relationships, we need to have some level of stability. It's not to say that we always get along. It's not to say that we can't argue and talk sometimes and not other times. But this pattern is pervasive. Remember, I said these traits are going to be pervasive throughout this person's life. And so they're going to have intense and unstable relationships, even when it's not a romantic relationship. So with their family, friends, loved ones, one day they're going to be very much wanting to hang out with you. They're going to want to go shopping all day, catch a movie, catch dinner, talk about how much they love you. And then you're not going to hear from them in three months because 
yeah, they're, they're not as interested anymore. It just goes back and forth. Now that can happen with friendships all the time where it's a very healthy way to do it. Gosh, I was able to spend a lot of time with that one friend and that's great. But we know we talk often or we have this uh, regular pattern of, uh, or I shouldn't say regular pattern. That sounds almost pathological, but we have, you know, we chat every so often and, and we're able to be in communication somebody with borderline personality disorder will have patterns. And so their pattern will be that intensity again, where there it's not like a regular friendship where, yeah, we talk every so often, but it's not like I need to be on the phone with this person all the time. Somebody with borderline personality disorder might need to have you with them either all the time for a while, or just not have you with them. And you're going to be wondering, I can't keep up this intensity, this uh, back and forth. Okay. The next time, the next, uh, trait is a distorted and unstable self-image or sense of self. So what does that mean? Again, with the lack of insight, this person might uh, not recognize they have borderline personality disorder, but do you ever have a friend, a coworker, a loved one who's always telling you, oh my goodness, I just, I'm, I'm just so like this. I just, I'm no good. Or nobody's going to love me. Or after breaking up relationship, nobody's ever going to want to date me again. I'm just damaged. And then other times they get into a relationship, same person and say, I'm the best thing that ever happened to this person. How can they not recognize that? I'm the best thing that can happen to any person. Again, you notice that instability, unstable self-image, and an unstable sense of self because we go, they go to the extremes. They're either all good, all bad, and that's the way they see the world as black and white being all good or all bad. This is challenging to live with, needless to say, because <clears throat> imagine this is who you work with. And it's one of these things where you say, I don't know who I'm getting. I don't know who I'm going to be working with today because they're showing up and they're not very stable. Their pattern of relationship is very back and forth. I can't seem to um, formulate a stable idea of this person enough to be able to say, hey, can we get along or not? It's kind of like imagine somebody like this and they're saying, hey, let's go to lunch. I don't know that I want to go to lunch with you because I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know who I'm going to be talking to. I don't even know what to say. Here's where it gets interesting from a psychiatric perspective, because some of these traits, this is where we really want to treat the unstable relationship component. Okay. They're just going to try to get along or try to get through life, even if their relationships are unstable, but here's where we get a bigger challenge. They can be impulsive and often involved in dangerous behaviors because of the impulsivity. Some of them is going to be spending sprees, unsafe, intimate relationships, substance abuse, reckless driving, binge eating. Okay. And so these happen during times. Now, when you read that, you could say, well, that's a manic episode. If anybody knows anything about bipolar disorder, you could say, that sounds like a manic episode. This is true. But for the person, uh, and we have to distinguish that. If I meet somebody in the clinic and I'm thinking, man, I think they have a borderline personality disorder. I have to go through all the other criteria for different things like depression and bipolar and make sure that they're not experiencing that. But they go to these extremes and they get very elevated and happy and they're going to spend and they're going to, um, you know, jump into relationships. They're going to drive fast. It's not um, not a healthy way to be. But in this as well, because they are so extreme, they do have a lot of self-harm behavior or cutting. They also have the trait of recurring thoughts of suicidal behavior or re recurring thoughts of suicide. And they can have suicide behavior or threats. So the self-harming, such as the cutting, sometimes when people are cutting, it can be kind of scary if you ever met anybody who says, yeah, I tend to cut myself. Cutting does not necessarily mean that they want to end their life, okay? So it doesn't mean that it's suicide necessarily. It means I'm going to cut my skin. And why? 
remember I told you somebody with borderline personality disorder has an extreme emotional interior life and they're usually in emotional pain. It's usually hurtful it's in, in, inside. It's, it's like a disease that's, that's painful, but they're not able to recognize that there's something wrong with them. Again, they just say, I'm an emotional person. That's how it is. But in a breakup, it's the kind of person who says, if we break up, if you break up with me, I'm going to kill myself. Well, why? Why kill yourself if you're going to break up with somebody? There's other people out there. You can be in a different relationship. But for them, that emotional feeling is so intense that they think that they need to end their life. And they have this um, ability to do that. Now, sometimes they'll, they'll try just cutting because it helps the emotions actually calm down interiorly. That physical pain is like a tangible pain compared to the emotion they're feeling inside for them. And it can be hard to explain if you've never experienced that, but it is possible that people have that. Now, with the cutting behavior, what I worry about is one, where are you cutting? Are you, you're going to get yourself an infection? And if you're not careful, you can nick an artery, a vein, and you could end up hurting yourself. And then with the thoughts of suicide or suicide behaviors, a lot of times it's for attention because it's there. people are saying, hey, you're breaking up with me or you told me we're, we were going to meet for dinner tonight and we're not. And you're going to, so you know what? I'm just going to end my life. Seriously, that can happen just for something like you didn't meet me for dinner. The emotions are that intense. The threats of suicide are there. Sometimes they'll do what we call gestures like take extra pills or, you know, something along those lines where they know they're not going to hurt themselves, but they want to get your attention. The danger there is you're going to do that. And at what point are you accidentally really going to take too much? This is important things to consider from a psychiatric perspective. We want to make sure people are safe and we want to make sure that they get the help they need. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about treatment for this and we're going to talk about narcissistic more when we come back. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about personality disorders and why is this important? It's important more than anything else because we deal with personalities and when we deal with each other as people uh, in the workplace and relationships, and it's important to understand why is it that some people I might get along with and some people I might not. You never know, you know, sometimes it's just, we say, oh, it's a personality thing. That's great. But people around us might have personality disorders. A personality disorder does not prevent somebody from being very successful, from getting into um, very high power positions in the government and businesses and corporations. It can happen. And in fact, some of the traits that we see as negative can actually be very positive in those environments in a professional setting to move you up the ladder um, from the business sense of things, but not necessarily with a relationship sense of things. You notice that sometimes a manager walks in and everybody runs away uh, and doesn't like that manager. Why? Well, either they're kind of mean when they do their job or you don't want them seeing what you're doing or you don't want to be told about what's going on. But at the same time, you got to wonder, does this person even have friends? Do they have any friends outside of work? Do they, you know, what's going on with them? There's so many different reasons for that. And it's not to say that managers have personality disorders, but it is to say, what if you just have a regular coworker who's not in a manager position, but nobody really wants to invite them to a party outside of work or want to hang out with them? Well, that's pretty telling. You got to ask yourself why. So to finish off here, we were talking about borderline personality disorder before the break. And that is really going to affect our interpersonal relationships in many ways, intense feelings. To finish off the traits of somebody with borderline personality disorder, 
Um, the last few traits here are intense and highly variable moods with episodes lasting from a few hours to a few days. Like I said, you never know when the mood changes are going to happen, but they're happening all the time and how long they're going to last. I don't know. Um, chronic feelings of emptiness. So they're usually living in internal pain, uh, inappropriate, intense anger or problem controlling their anger. And usually their anger, once they get angry, and their anger is inappropriate or they have problems controlling it, they'll blame everybody else. It, it was everybody else's fault that they got mad because there's always excuses. Well, it's because you said this, you did this, and they can be pretty abusive in relationships emotionally to their partners and whatnot. Uh, and then feelings of dissociation, such as feeling cut off from oneself, observing oneself from the outside of one's body, or feelings of unreality. So a lot of times people sometimes, or I should say sometimes people will say, oh, well, I have multiple personality disorders or things along those lines. But you got to wonder too, is this, are there dissociations going on that are more uh, in line with a borderline personality disorder than a multiple personality disorder? And we can do a whole nother show, multiple personality disorders. Some people wonder if that's even a real thing or not. But uh, that's it with borderline personality disorder. Is there a way to treat it? The only treatment is something called dialectical behavioral therapy. So I should say that's the mainstay of treatment. Why? Because this therapy focuses on trying to get the person to avoid self-harm behaviors, whether it be cutting or the thoughts of suicide, trying to calm the idea down of saying, look, you don't have to end your life. Um, just because something bad happened, I know naturally you turn to, I want to end my life. Nothing is good in my life. And that can be a really hard, uh, hard way to live, hard way to feel. But hopefully with dialectical behavioral ther therapy, they can learn coping mechanisms so that when you are feeling that way, you don't feel like you want to end it all. So that's one form of treatment. The other form of treatment is we usually try what we call the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, uh, usually in the selected serotonin or selectin and uh, serotonin and norepinephrine uptake inhibitors, medications such as Zoloft uh, or Cymbalta that you might have heard of while well, the trainings are sertraline, uh, duloxetine, things along those lines sometimes help. Sometimes a mood stabilizer like Lamotrigine might help. These are all different medications that <clears throat> people can try, talk to your doctor, see which one might be right for the person if they're even at the point where they recognize that they have an issue and are willing to get treated. So remember, one of the hardest things with personality disorder is that the person doesn't even recognize that they have a problem. Another big personality disorder that we're going to see in relationships, in professional settings, is narcissistic personality disorder. Now, <clears throat> To define it, it is a, a pattern here. Let me read here what, uh, again, I'm looking at the National Institute of Mental Health. Why is this important to consider these personality disorders? Because we're going to deal with people all day long and people sometimes have these disorders. I also believe that when we look at these disorders, it's important to look at them from a spiritual life perspective. Do I have spiritual narcissism? Do I have spiritual bipolar disorder? Do I have spiritual borderline personality disorder? Why? Because do I ever get in intense relationships with God where I'm like, oh, God loves me. No, God hates me. No, this, no, that. Do I have these traits? Um, I can't say that they're a disorder in the spiritual world because we've never defined it that way. But I always like to think about that because if we're supposed to be the body of Christ, we're supposed to be in relationship with each other. When we get to heaven, we're supposed to be in relationship with each other through Christ. What is my relationship with Christ? Do I trust Christ? Do I try to run the show? Do I tell God, if you don't give me what I need or what I'm praying for, I'm going to turn away from you? That can be, you know, a lot of the traits that we see in some of these personality disorders. And I think we tend to do that. Why? Because we're humans. That's how we react. It's not uncommon 
to have that. Gosh, if I don't feel your presence right now, God, I'm going to go sin because it doesn't matter. Uh, that can happen. And it's one of these things that it's good to take that step back, do the examination of conscience and say, where is my soul? Is my soul mentally healthy, so to speak? Where's my soul's mind with God? Well, let's read about narcissistic personality disorders. A lot of times people with, uh, or people assume that when we hear somebody's narcissistic, that they are just totally full of themselves. And it's true in, in some ways, but not entirely, because sometimes we think that this person is very confident, uh, very uh, self-assured, but that's not the case when it comes to narcissistic personality disorder. Let's read the definition. It is a pattern of grandiosity, so their person does feel pretty important, but there's a need for admiration, a lack of empathy um, as well, and it's classified in the dimensional, okay, so that's fine, that's part of the definition here. <clears throat> and it can impair relationships. So that's important. It is highly prevalent in society. However, uh, there's been limited research on narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. So that's important to consider. Let's look at these first traits that it, that it talks about here. A pattern of grandiosity. So grandiosity, yes, we can say, oh, this person is what we say, full of themselves. Or they really think that they're very, very important. Um, but you notice that the next ones are a need for admiration and a lack of empathy. I can feel I'm an important person, but how do I treat others? I can recognize maybe that I'm in an important position, but do I treat others with empathy or not? Is it all about just me? Um, or am I able to extend a hand to somebody else? Somebody with narcissistic personality disorder, one, is only focused on themselves and they don't focus on anybody else. They don't really care about other people's feelings, if they're putting people out or anything along those lines. But then the big one is this need for admiration. Why do I focus on that? The need for admiration is important because a lot of times we think somebody who's narcissistic is so full of themselves and they don't care what other people think. Now, that just might be somebody who is truly stuck up or something along those lines, and that's part of their personality. But if we're going to talk specifically about narcissistic personality disorder, somebody with this disorder really, really cares about what other people think. They have the sense of grandiosity, but they want you to show admiration for your degrees, your diplomas, your or their degrees, I should say, their titles. Somebody with narcissistic personality disorder needs to get a title or have a sense of belonging to a on a board or uh, you know have a PhD, and that's where they get their value and importance from. Now, that's not to say that I know a lot of people who are retired who like to be on different boards and like to feel like they contribute to society. Is that a narcissistic trait? Maybe. But remember, we're all going to have some of these traits. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have the disorder. So let's talk a little bit about what the traits are for somebody with narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder and see how much this applies to people you know, to ourselves. Do we have any of these traits? It's okay to have the traits. It's not okay if this is so pervasive, but we don't see exactly what, how we affect other people, uh, how other people are around us. And more importantly, on, on an individual level, do we need to have admiration in order to feel like we even matter in this world? Or is the love of God enough, knowing that we were born and that God made us? Is that enough for me to say, no, I do have value in this world, whether I have a title or not? So this is the the first trait is somebody with narcissistic personality disorder has a grandiose sense of self-importance. They exaggerate their achievements. They expect to be recognized as superior without actually completing the achievement. So they feel like, look at these achievements. That means that I'm better than other people. I really need to have other people tell me how good I am. And if they tell me that I'm not all that great, 
nah, it might not be, you know, I don't like them anymore. Or I'm going to feel what they have, what's called a narcissistic injury. I'm going to feel like I'm not that good. I'm going to devalue myself. The person can also be preoccupied with fantasies of success, power, brilliance, beauty, or perfect love. So a lot of times somebody with narcissistic personality disorder believes that they are so perfect that it's going to be hard for them to be in a relationship because how can they meet their match? How can they meet somebody who's as perfect as they are? How are they going to be in a relationship when they're bringing so much to their relationship? It's not possible for them to meet somebody to be their equal. Nobody can possibly bring that level of perfection because they are so perfect. That's that sense of entitlement, that sense of self-importance. That's pretty hard to live with because imagine you're dating somebody like that or you're in a relationship with somebody like that and they're always expecting you to be perfect based on how they are perfect or how they perceive themselves to be perfect. That can be pretty hard to uh, be around because you can never live up to that. In fact, they can't even live up to themselves, you know, and they have the sense that they're going to succeed in so many ways. Well, you know, but it's beyond uh, anybody else's expectation. Success is there. We're all going to have this personality trait of saying, well, I want to succeed, so I'm going to try this. If I take a course, if I go in and say, I want to take a class on X, Y, or Z, because I think it's interesting. Well, I hope to get a good grade. I hope that I'm taking the course and that I can get an AA or, or learn the material well. But somebody with narcissistic personality disorder is not only going to want to take this course, they're going to want to be recognized as the most important person in this whole classroom, the most brilliant person in this classroom. and and make sure that everybody's aware of that. So these are important things to consider with narcissistic personality disorder. Now, another trait is that they believe that they are special and can only be understood by or should only associate with other people or institutions. This can happen. I see it happen all the time. I see it happen when people join certain clubs and you can only be of a certain type or of a certain mindset or prove that you are so intellectually smart to belong to this. And this happens within the church as well. So this is one of the things that I was talking about uh, with his friend who said, gosh, I thought I was going to be working in this wonderful place because I'm in the diocese. I thought it was heaven. How come I'm not getting along with some of these people? How come all of a sudden I'm learning about these different sub organizations within the Catholic church that you have to donate to or be a part of, or it seems like a special exclusive club. What is that all about? And so that's also why we started talking about, well, it could be a narcissistic type of uh, club. We'll have to talk about this and we'll have to talk more about narcissistic personality disorder after the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about personality disorders and in particular, borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. Why are we talking about these? Because it's important to understand that when we interact with people, even in the what we consider the most ideal circumstances, these personality disorders exist because they're just part of human nature. Some people have them, some people don't. We all have personality traits, and so we can all experience some of this um, just throughout our daily lives, we can experience these traits. Does that mean it's pervasive? Does that mean that it, uh, um, really requires, uh, um, do we require to be admired such as narcissistic personality disorder? Not always, sometimes maybe, but more importantly, what I want to get out of this is when I'm in a work environment, when I'm interacting with other people, I feel bad sometimes because I don't like that person. I don't know why something about me tells me I don't like that person. And I should love everybody, especially if I work in a diocese, especially if I work with a Catholic church. Shouldn't I love everybody? Understand that we're dealing with people. 
And people are going to have different personalities and we might not get along with everybody else. Before the break, we're reading the traits from narcissistic personality disorder. And at the end of the show here, I'm going to give an example of a patient who I saw one time who was more borderline personality disorder is probably what we're going to see. But let's finish off here with narcissistic and see what it is. We were talking about how somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder believes that they are special, can only be understood or should only associate with other special people. Well, this person I was talking to about working their job at the diocese and working with other people started telling me, yeah, you know, I thought being Catholic, it's great. I can go to church. I can do adoration. I can go to confession, go to mass and do all the things about being Catholic that I'm so happy about. But as I'm working with the diocese, I realize, you know, the people who I work with, there's like four of them, and they belong to this other Catholic group, a prayer group. It's kind of an exclusive club. You have to donate money to be in it. And, you know, they give you like prizes and titles and things like that. And I feel kind of excluded because because of that club, they're all friends and I'm not really part of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't understand what that's all about. And I said, you know, well, that's one of the hard parts. And that's true of any corporation you go into. Sometimes there are special clubs. If you are in the corporate world, sometimes some guys golf together and that can become an exclusive little special club for them. And they do business deals and do different things on the golf course. Um, and that's fine. Uh, other, you know, Or that's the way it is, I should say. I'm not saying it's fine. I'm saying that's the way it is. That can happen within the Catholic world too. You end up with special prayer groups, special different groups. It's a little bit harder when they require you to go through a application process or something to join. Um, it's not always, uh, it doesn't always, it feels kind of odd because it's like, aren't we all just Catholic? But that's the reality of life. Sometimes it is like that. Why do we want to be part of that group? That's not to say it's a narcissistic personality group, disorder group. But it's a kind of a trade, if you will, where all of a sudden, oh, we're special and we only understand each other. We're exclusive. It can be a little bit dangerous because you try to, you might exclude other people, make other people feel excluded or make them feel like they're not as good as you are. Got to ask ourselves, is that what we're doing? Is that part of it? What's the purpose? But these are some of the other traits. Somebody with narcissistic personality disorder requires excessive admiration. They always want to be admired. They want to be told how wonderful they are. They want to always be in the limelight. They always want to be um, recognized. They want to be the person. They want to be the, the guru of take your pick, whatever they're into. They have a sense of entitlement, such as unreasonable expectation of favorable treatment or compliance with their expectations. They're exploitative and take advantage of others to achieve their own end. So they take advantage of other people without recognizing uh, how they're putting other people off or if they're if the other person is able to meet these demands. That happens all the time. It happens in relationships and friendships. You know, I need to get this done. I need you to be here at this time. I need you to be here on this day. And you don't recognize, well, maybe that person can't do that or maybe it's going to be difficult for their families. Hmm, happens all the time. They lack empathy and are unwilling to identify with the needs of others, just like we said. So there's no empathy. It doesn't really matter to them whether you can do it or not. It's just that's how it is. They're often envious of others or believe that others are envious of them. So that's very common in narcissism. Uh, it's, you know, other per another person received something, they got an achievement, they got some kind of recognition. And all of a sudden, the person with this personality disorder feels like, hey, that should be for me. How come they didn't give me that award? How come I wasn't recognized? That can be hard to live with too. Um, and they show arrogant and haughty behaviors and attitudes. They're just too good for the world. Now, remember, we can all go through these traits. We can all have some of these traits. And we might know some people with some of these traits that they experience on occasion, maybe not always, maybe not 100% of the time, but commonly. And that can be really, really hard to live with. 
it's a little bit easier to say I live with somebody or I, I, excuse me, I work with somebody who has these traits. It's hard at work, but at least I get to go home. It's a lot harder to live with somebody like that or be in a relationship with somebody who either has narcissistic traits, who are, who expect you to rise to their imagined level, their own perceived imagined level, or who have uh, borderline traits and they expect you to, uh, you know, and they're going to be in and out of the relationship, very aggressive in their emotional um, experiences. So these are things to consider. These are uh, things to consider when we're working with other people. At the workplace, I can get away from at home or in personal relationships. I would think twice if I'm dating somebody like this and I think about getting married. A lot of times people will say, oh, you will, you know, it's okay. They're going to change. When we're married, this will be different. When we get married, they'll they'll be more calm. When we get married, it's just because, you know, it's they're pre-married jitters. We're not stable yet. No, that's not the case. I think if you speak to any married couple, you realize that what you see is what you get. And what you get when you're dating the person, that's who they are. And this is where we have to be honest with ourselves because we can't have this fantasy either that, oh, we're going to have this perfect married life and this person's going to fit my image of that. I have a checkoff list. And when they're married, they're going to change to my checkoff list. That's a little bit of a narcissistic personality disorder trait or narcissistic trait, I should say, not personality disorder. It's a little bit of a narcissistic trait. This person's going to change to my expectations. I have my checkoff list and they're going to be like this. And if not, I'm going to make them change to this way. It's very common. It's it's just a trait. It's a part of our personalities. I think a lot of people think that way. It doesn't mean that you have narcissistic personality disorder when you think that way, but it's good to check ourselves and say, is this how I'm thinking? Is this is this what I'm expecting of other people? That can be hard to live with. Is there a cure, a treatment for somebody with personality disorder in the narcissistic personality disorder uh, area? No, technically speaking, there's not. And the biggest challenge is, again, if you're dealing with somebody who already thinks that they are so great and you're going to try to tell them that they have an imperfection, it's really going to be hard to get that through to them or to make them see that or even believe that in any way whatsoever. Very, very hard to deal with. There's no medication that can all of a sudden help the person flip and have good insight. Um, there's no therapy group really to do that. I did have one patient once who actually recognized that they had narcissistic personality disorder, but it didn't stop them from being a very challenging patient to work with, uh, being very demanding. Usually this type of patient is going to come to me and tell me what I should prescribe them or tell me what they need. They're going to try to uh, direct their care, as we say, and not take a step back and say, oh, maybe Dr. Sandoval might know a better way or he might understand the treatment better. So I'm going to listen to what he has to say. They're not always going to do that because they've already got the answer. And that can be really hard. This is a, a common personality trait as well. It doesn't have to be a personality disorder, but a common personality trait where sometimes we will go through and we will uh, ask people about, um, we might ask a question with already having the answer in mind because I already feel I'm right. I've already decided this is the answer. And I'm going to ask a question just to verify my answer. And the problem with that is as I'm asking the question of different people and I'm looking for a particular answer, I'm going to dismiss answers that don't that are not in line with what I already believe is the answer. I'm actually going to ask the questions to have that reaffirmed or reassured uh, in me and, you know, to, to know that I'm right. I'm going to ask questions to know that my answers are right. That's a little bit narcissistic. It doesn't have that open mind of saying, well, this is what I think the answer is. Let me ask the question and let me reevaluate that. That can be hard to live with. But let me give our uh, listeners here an example of an extreme case or a, a very classic case, I should say, of borderline personality disorder that I had to deal with once. I remember this was, oh, I don't know, a long, it was a while ago. I was in residency and I was on call. 
and I had to be, I was called to the psychiatric emergency department. Um, and so I was on call for this. I was doing my shift and all of a sudden, you know, it was probably about two, three in the morning and they said, it woke me up and Dr. Sandoval, we got a patient here who is uh, in trouble. It's a young lady and she saying that she wants to hurt herself. She wants to end her life. And I said, okay, very common, right? You're in psychiatry. You're going to be called to the emergency department. People want to end their lives or people come in with this idea that they want to end their lives all the time. So I walk in and I say, hey, um, you know, nice to meet you. I'm Dr. Sandoval. This person, she was probably in her early 30s. She was sitting in the corner. She had a bathrobe on because it was nighttime. She had a pajamas on and she had a little teddy bear and um, she wasn't feeling good and she was kind of cowered away. Um, and I walked in and, and I realized that, you know, she needed space. So I stood back a little bit and I said, hi, how are you doing? I'm Dr. Sandoval. How can I help you? And she says, uh, you know, uh, she, actually, at first she didn't say anything. She just kind of looked at me and kind of looked away. I thought, well, this is going to be challenging because obviously if I'm there, I need to assess and evaluate the situation. I need to get her to talk. And she says, uh, so I say, you know, I'm here to help you. I, I know that you've been having a rough time. It sounds like you're you're not having a good time right now. And I want to help you get to where you need to get to. Uh, what can I do for you today? I, otherwise, you're not going to be able to leave the hospital. You were saying things like you wanted to end your life. You didn't feel good. And she looked at me and she said, why should I talk to you? You're just like him. Okay, well, she just met me within two seconds and she's already decided who I am. She's already made a decision. Remember, borderline personality disorder gets into relationships intensely, immediately. It falls in love immediately, hates immediately because they've already decided that they figured out the person in front of them and they either totally love them or totally hate me or hate them. And in this case, she disliked me right from the start. Don't know why I walked in. I'm... I might have triggered something for her, reminded her of something. I don't know why, but as a psychiatrist, I don't take that personally. I say, this is where the person's at, but I have to recognize it because now I got to know what I'm treating. She said, you're just like him. And I said, oh, okay, well, who is he or who's him? This must be hard. I don't want to be like anybody who's off-putting to you because I'm here to help you. And so long story short, she gave me the story of her the way she was found, the way the police, the police brought her into the hospital, the way that this happened is her friend called the police for her because she had been sitting in her living room uh, and she had put out a gun and bullets on the coffee table in front of the couch. And she said she was ready to end her life. And I said, okay, well, looking at the police report here, this is what happened. They said that you wanted to end your life. You already had a gun. That sounds pretty serious. And you got the bullets laid out. Well, what's going on? What were you going to end your life? What, what happened? Well, she had her husband. I don't remember if it was a living boyfriend or a husband, but we'll go with it was her husband. And she said that he didn't care about her and he didn't care if she died. How did she know that? Because he didn't hug her right that morning. And when he got home, he didn't even pay attention to the fact that she had put out the gun. She had put out the gun because she felt like he didn't hug her correctly in the morning. And so well, what happened? What was going on in his life? He came in, he didn't even see that. And she said, no, he came in because he had gone to the doctor to find out whether or not he had cancer but he didn't hug me right. It didn't feel right. He didn't love me the right way that morning. So I was ready to end it all. And I said, well, did you find out anything about his cancer diagnosis? She's oh, I'm sure it's no big deal. She didn't care about him. She had no empathy for whether or not he was going to be positive for cancer or not. But because she didn't feel that he was loving her correctly, because she didn't feel like she was getting that emotional attention, because she didn't feel that he hugged her the right way, she was ready to end it all. That's a classic case of borderline personality disorder. Notice that it also has some narcissistic traits with that last lack of empathy, but it also shows a total lack of insight where she did not care enough to say, well, maybe he's distraught. Maybe he's worried about having cancer. It's all about me.
All right, folks, hope you enjoyed our show today on personality disorders, and we will see you next week. And until then, keep it Catholic.